Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. X-Ray. This show is supported by generous listeners like you through our Patreon. This episode was underwritten by the Tamsin G Association, Warrior Queen, and Chris Giddings. To learn more about ways to support Oh My Dollar and get cool perks like cat stickers and a fancy special icon on our forums, you can visit ohmydollar.com slash support. And welcome to our newest patron, Jennifer. Thanks for joining, Jennifer. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful, but here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your co-host, and here's your real host, Lillian Kerbick. I'm the real host. <laughs> <laughs> you're the you're the fake host. Yes. <laughs> I don't, uh, yeah. Here's here's the host that knows about the things we're talking about, Lillian Kerbick. <laughs> and Will is the one that I always talk over. <laughs> Will brings coffee. <laughs> <laughs> this is very important today because we're very tired, but I feel like that's kind of relevant to today's discussion. Being tired, saving emergency funds, yes. they're related, Good right? Good segue, yes. <laughs> that was a tired segue. Yes. We've talked about how they're important before. Yeah, but but I think one of the things about emergency funds is like a six-month emergency fund, once you add up how much that is, if you don't have any savings, that sounds like an immense amount of money for a lot of people, right? Like, especially if you have kind of high expenses, you, you're like, you're looking at the number and you're like, that's a, that's a lot. How am I possibly going to get to saving that? But even just getting to like that first mini baby emergency fund, that one month of expenses mm -hmm. or that first $1,000, like there's different strategies for doing that. But I think it is challenging to figure out how to how to get started with that, especially if you're not making a lot of money uh, or you have like variable income. Like, how do you how do you do it? Um, so I asked people on the Oh My Dollar forums. Shout out to the forums once again. Uh, and I just asked people, like, how did you do it? There's a bunch of different tactics, but they kind of fell into some main categories. So the tactics Lillian identified, we've got the automatic sneaky savings method, including using an app, the shoebox under the bed method, which I guess is probably... What I did, uh, the side hustle method, the tax refund method, and ramping down debt repayment while saving method. Which I think all of those are kind of combinable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, like I think a lot of people used kind of variations on that theme. Not necessarily mutually exclusive, yeah. The, the big thing that I noticed was that very few people um, said that they did it by accident. Like a lot of folks said, Oh, you know, it kind of snuck up on me that I got to the point where I had it. But I, I at some point sat down and made the decision to start saving. Mm -hmm. um, but you're kind of in the camp where you're like, oh, I, I think it was a little accidental that I, I got some savings. Right, Will? Yeah. I mean, not not accidental by any means, but I, I was just already kind of squir squirreling away dollars here and there for, for a while. And I guess I had some savings like as a kid, like, you know, grandma would give me a hundred bucks in a bank account. Ooh, bank accounts. When you're um, a kid and like 
back if you're a 90s kid like and you got a savings account when you were a kid they actually had really good interest rates that was exciting mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and i mean it's not like i had access to like a, a debit card at that age too so it sort of just vanished and then later was there which is cool um I, I'll, I'll take hundreds and kind of do the under the shoebox or un, under the bed shoebox method. Um, any anytime someone pays me in a like rent in a couple hundred dollar bills, just like put one of them there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like how roommates paying rent in cash has come up multiple times on this show. I feel like we've both had to yeah, live through that <laughs> like <laughs> fun experience of people handing you rent in cash. So my first emergency fund, I so I won some money from a like entrepreneurship comp- competition when I was in fifth grade, and I think <laughs> of course you did. I, yeah, <laughs> I later I've thought back and been like, oh, that was my origin story. Yeah. Um, and for a long time, that was I I was I was very lucky. My parents took me, and we like. Put, set up a savings account for me um, and then like I you know from running like lemonade stands and stuff like that I would put money in when I was a kid um, but it wasn't really until I was working full time and living with my parents after I dropped out of high school that I was like oh I really need to save as a matter of priority um, and I moved out shortly after I was 18 when my parents threatened to start making me pay rent um, but at that point I had about $2,000 saved and that was from a five fifteen an hour job, and the entire way I did that was by saving my entire paycheck and only going to the ATM to withdraw cash every two weeks. So essentially, oh, so sort of reassigning what your paycheck was. Yeah, yeah. So the paycheck was was savings, and then there was a small percentage I pulled out for like spending money for food and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I, so that's sort of the the side hustle method like you were talking about kind of yeah it's it's a side hustle but it's like the main hustle and and the big thing for me was that i didn't have access to those to that money unless i physically went to the atm so like my debit card couldn't be swiped and run as like a regular credit card you know in a coffee shop or something like that um because yourself those options yeah yeah and and that was because it was a savings account so it was it just didn't didn't have that like exchange fee ability um and it worked really well. And then when I changed jobs and started making $7 an hour shortly before I moved out, I got a ton of overtime. And I also got what's called Sunday pay, which like doesn't exist anymore. But I made an extra dollar fifty an hour for working on Sunday. On the Sabbath. <laughs> it, and to be fair, it was grocery. And Sunday is like the most hectic day of the week in mm-hmm. grocery um, by a lot. Um but yeah, if you were old school, you got paid time and a half for Sunday, which was yeah. like I would just want to work all the hours on we Sunday if that church. was true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Woo. Uh, but uh, so a chunk of that savings got wiped out by my first, last, and deposit on my first apartment. But also, I think I paid like total like eight hundred dollars for all of that because it was two thousand five mm-hmm. and Cincinnati, and also I didn't live in a great neighborhood. Um, Things are cheaper there. Yeah. yeah. But I kept up that don't take out more money than you need for groceries this week method for almost the full year that I lived in Cincinnati before I moved out to Oregon. And that worked really well because by the time I moved to Oregon, I was moving to Oregon to live in an intentional community in the middle of the woods, and I was going to have no income for six months. Um, But I also didn't have any real living expenses since room and board was covered. So the Mm -hmm. only things I had to pay for were like 
toothpaste, fun snacks, stamps, and my P.O. box. Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, I've definitely, I definitely added to my savings a lot in, in situations where room and board were covered. Yeah, uh, no. Just it, some, like, remote cooking jobs and stuff where, you know, what was I going to spend money on? Right, exactly. It turns out when you're, like, working all the time and living where you work, uh, you can save a lot of money because any money that comes in just can go towards savings. I also didn't have a lot of expenses. I, I did have to pay down a small medical bill from breaking my elbow and uh i also had to buy a bicycle after i got in a bike crash not the one where i broke my elbow uh i still have that bike though um but that so that kind of ate into the buffer and i didn't have a way to like fill it back up again when i wasn't earning income Mm -hmm. um but once i got a well-paying job it was really easy to start saving because i had like built that habit of prioritizing savings first i think Mm -hmm. one of the habit building that's the thing yeah and i also think the other thing that uh kind of came out on this is that like realizing that no one else is going to save for you so like everybody you're an adult now everybody else wants your money (laughs) right but like nobody is going to sit there and save for you unless you have a pension or a trust fund or something like that so the only way that you are going to build up savings is by prioritizing yourself um and often that means saving for yourself first before you pay bills so so yeah uh i i think that was one of the big big takeaways here was that people just made it the decision to prioritize rather than like wonder if it would magically happen um i mean that's that's a great point that pointing out that it won't (laughs) something you have to actively do yeah and it, it doesn't even have to be that active so one of the things that came out uh, in a lot of people's responses was that they did sort of the automatic account method. And the automatic account method is something I've used before, which is essentially like hiding the savings money from yourself, but making it an automatic part of it. So you only have to make that choice once of setting up the automatic withdrawal from your like checking to your savings or, you know, if you want to go real hardcore, putting your putting your main income in your savings and then pulling the, only the amount you need to mm-hmm, live out mm-hmm. out and uh, that was a big that was a big deal that came came up a lot. But also some people said that that just didn't work for them. Like Greyweld said, after I got a full time job at age 23, I tried to start saving twenty dollars a month and I kept failing. I kept withdrawing it to keep up with my going out to eat habit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was really it was really when um, Greyweld said I finally started saving money when my husband moved from self-employment to traditional employment. So we had more income and he was interested in where the money was going. So we actually had to put a limit on things like eating out. So I guess my answer is accountability. Yeah, yeah, no, accountability is important. Uh, We're going to talk more about how other people have built their savings, their emergency savings, and how that worked for them in just a second. But here's a message from our sponsors. So we're back and talking about different ways that people have saved up their first emergency fund. How do you get to that point where you have you know, a buffer. Like, how do you get savings and kind of get past that total paycheck to paycheck method? Um, and there's there's a lot of different methods that people talked about. Um, a lot of folks talked about how they actually saved when they didn't have a lot of expenses. So Pancake said, I started working in a supermarket when I was in high school and I saved a lot of what I earned because I didn't have many real expenses. I think I had $3,000 saved when I finished high school in 2003 and I never let my savings go below that. It's probably not particularly helpful information to people who are not in high school students living with their parents, but I am forever grateful to pass me for making such great savings choices early in life. I, that was a big factor for me, too. Like, I had some expenses when I lived with my parents, but obviously not paying rent and being able to work full time really, really helped with savings quite a lot. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And I guess I feel similarly. I, I like 
I like the being grateful for your past self. Yeah. That's a good feeling. Right. And I feel like often we're talking about, like, don't be mad at your past self on this show. And sometimes you can be really proud of your past self. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good inversion. <laughs> so Gallagher said, I in college, I put any significant earnings I had e.g. from summers, into a semester's payment. Part-time job covered ongoing incidentals, snacks, groceries, outings with friends, travel home, clothes. Long-term savings weren't on my radar. Between college and grad school, I worked at a summer camp and I banked most income to cover quote-unquote startup costs at grad school. Good thing I did. Fees ate a good chunk of that. Grad school was my first steady paycheck and I was pretty good that first year on a fellowship with incredibly low rent. I also still had really cheap habits and expectations from college. I pre- I'm pretty sure I saved 1K from that first paycheck, and I never dipped into that. Funny thing is, no one had taught me this yet. It just seemed like the right buffer. Okay. Yeah, it's a nice round number. Yeah, I definitely, like, I've always been kind of a nerd about personal finance, but my idea that my checking should never go, go below $2,000 was based on nothing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Especially because my living expenses were so wildly different, like living places where I had no rent, you know, like expensive rent, expensive rent, rent whatever. Um, but two thousand dollars is just—it's always been my panic amount. If my checking goes below that, then I start, I start twitching. Yeah. So that makes sense. Uh, which it has, to be clear, it has yeah. gone below that. I have twitched much. Oh, you're t- <laughs> twitching a lot this morning. I think that's more the coffee. <laughs> Uh, Ardeni, Ardeni, ten. Ardaniel, Ardaniel zero. I see see that all the time, and I never think about how to pronounce it. All right, Ardaniel zero. If we're pronouncing that wrong, let us know. Uh, In envelopes, I was mostly working cash jobs like waitressing and bartending, so it was easier to save money in envelopes than by depositing in an account. I was also paying rent and shared utilities and cash at the same time, so I had a different envelope for each life expense, including savings. At first, I could only put in a few dollars at a time, sporadically, five bucks one day, nothing the next. Whatever I had left that I felt I could spare went in the envelope. My only rule was that I couldn't take money out unless it was an emergency. I didn't make very much, so I did have to dip into it a few times, but after about a year, I'd saved around $3,000. That's that's a lot for saving, you know, random cash from waitressing yeah. bartending. And that's sort of the the, uh, the shoebox under the bed method you said, but I mean, you've, you've, we've definitely talked about the envelope method before for budgeting and expenses. That's a... Yeah, and I I think the envelope method, I think one of the things is that, like, people think that maybe you have to go all in on it, but you can just use an envelope for one or one one category, right? Um, So it works both ways. You can use it for spending or savings in just one category area. So if one of the areas that you have impulse control problems with in spending money is, like, eating out, you can just use the envelope method with cash for eating out so that when it's empty, it's empty. Um, Or vice versa, you know, if you want to save, you could just save money in cash. And, you know, I know I know a lot of people whose main savings is their pocket change. (laughs) Uh, I know someone that every year they like go to the coin star or whatever and dump and have a couple hundred bucks that they've saved just from pocket change each year. So I used a laundromat. So I never have any quarters in my pocket change. That definitely cuts down the average value. I do have a big jar full of non-quarters but <laughs> i i it's worth less was selling books yesterday and someone paid me uh 12 entirely in quarters and i was like laundromat me would have loved this yeah. but <laughs> now i just feel like it's a bunch of change 
Uh, I, I bought my coffee in quarters this morning. <laughs> Your first three coffees. <laughs> so Lamby Pamby is in the middle of saving their emergency fund and said, I'm working on saving my emergency fund. It's been a work in progress since the beginning of the year, and I'm 76.75% of the way there. Nice. Exact percentages make me feel more accomplished. My goal is $2,000 in a bare emergency fund and then $12,000 eventually as a cushy six months worth of living expenses. Okay, so this is a pretty big emergency fund. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. My strategy is... Has been minimum debt repayment, including transferring credit card debt to a 0% intro APY card. Two, throw maximum amount of money that otherwise would have gone into debt repayment into an emergency fund. And also, I transferred my savings money into a high interest savings account. Three, when an emergency fund hits $2,000, focus on aggressive debt repayment, but keep saving. Oh, nice. That's a cool strategy. Yeah. That's very, yeah. I, like, I like how it sort of shifts once the emergency fund hits 2000 uh, Lamby Pamby uh, also talked about the Digit app, which is something a lot of people have brought up before. Uh, Digit is kind of one of the best known ones, but there's a number of apps that do this and even some bank accounts that do this which, where they essentially round up purchases and transfer oh. them into a savings account. Some of them will round up to the dollar. And so if you spend, you know, $175, they will put $0.25 cents in a savings account for everything you spend. Um, some of them claim to use automated technology to to study your spending habits and figure out how much you can save without noticing it. Um, there's some bank accounts that do this, but you can kind of Google around if that's something for you. Yeah, I for- had a, like my Bank of America student account did that. Oh, in like nice. Eh, eh, I don't know. I don't, I don't, so I didn't For me, it. I don't like le- linking my spending to savings because I want to prioritize savings ahead of time. I want to save before I spend. Yeah. And intentionality, uh, I think, is important. For yeah. Me, but. but for some people, it works super well because they know they're going to spend money, but they don't, they haven't gotten a good track record uh-huh. at savings. So you might as well do it in a sneaky way, right? Uh, I know a lot of folks that have never saved before, have never had luck with savings before. And using one of these apps is the first time they've seen that savings start to pile up and realize like how powerful little amounts of money can be Mm -hmm. if you do it consistently and i think it's very good for that feeling of like oh because savings when you first get into it 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 feels pretty good (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think one of the things to like to watch it just go up and up i think you start to feel a lot of internal pride i think a lot of folks get discouraged when they feel like they're nickel and diming themselves where they finally start that to see that tick up and then an unexpected expense comes and they're and they you know they watch it go down again because they need to pull money out of the emergency fund and for a lot of people i know that can feel really demotivating but i think the thing to remember is if you didn't have that savings, that unexpected expense would have been debt, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, And so it's, I think, or you would have been scrambling or having to work extra hours or whatever you would have done to cover that unexpected expense. And I think that's really important to remember is that like you are like, even if it feels like, oh, you're like nickel and diming yourself, you're actually just learning better information about what it costs you to live. And you'll have more information about those unexpected expenses in the future that you can plan for and budget for. That's a good way to put it. how cool is it that you managed to, you know, save for that? So um, I don't want you to get discouraged if that has happened to you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mountain Mustache says, I had always had a savings account as a kid because I started working early and was still living at home of course until college in college i spent most of my savings on groceries life bikes oh yeah i I remember this guy (laughs) so i only had 500 left when i graduated even after working three jobs in my last two years after college, I started working in an incredibly fun, fulfilling, and incredibly low-paying industry. <laughs> yeah, I've worked in the bike industry. <laughs> yeah. 
For about six years after college, I hovered around having $500 to $1,000 in savings, but never really taking it seriously since I much preferred to spend any extra money on bikes, racing, etc. I didn't have debt or anything, but pretty much was just living paycheck to paycheck. Last year, I had some serious, expensive medical issues and started taking saving money slash being frugal extremely seriously. Since then, I've managed to save almost $5,000 in an emergency fund. It helped that I got a few raises and now I actually make what I consider to be a lot of money, like 36000 a year. Woohoo! Basically, every month I make a savings goal, an IRA investment goal, and then decide what the rest of my expenses can be, outside my fixed expenses, of course. So I take the savings, investments out first, and then spend what's left. This helped me immensely because I used to just save what was left over, but often there wouldn't be anything left over because I wasn't planning to save. Yeah, that's that's real. My savings goal changes every month, and some months I know will be expensive, like six months of car insurance is due, etc. But I try to save at least 200 bucks a month, and anything more is a bonus. Yeah, that's one of the big things, is just paying yourself first. I know that um, Mountain Mustache, she's talked before about, like, how easy it is to spend money on bikes, which I'm totally familiar with. I just spent $250 on my bike. Yeah, I don't think that's the amount that Mountain Mustache no. is spending on bikes because, you know, it's when you work in the though. bike industry, it's really dangerous because if you get things for wholesale, suddenly it feels like, how can I not get yeah. it? Yeah, this, this <laughs> normally costs 3000 and I'm only paying 2000 for it. It's, it's like I'm saving money, yeah. Um, one thing that is weird to me is that someone, I've, I've, I've worked in the bike industry or bike adjacent for most of my career in nonprofits, but I almost always had access to shop deals and like wholesale prices and uh, discounts on service when I got my bike worked on. And uh, since I haven't the past two years, I've been like, oh, this is what it costs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, I had to like adjust my budget for the idea that like, oh, I'm no longer getting yeah, this wholesale. I cracked, I cracked my old frame for context, oh, which was no. sad, but they had a frame sale. So I got a new frame and swapped out the frame, which is bizarre. It feels like a body transplant. Like it feels like it's a new bike because like the frame is the bike. You're sorta. really tall, so are frames hard to find in your size? Uh, yeah. I mean, this one was sixty centimeters, which isn't crazy. Oh my god! For contrast, my frame is forty six centimeters. Yeah. So <laughs> that, I guess Just that's about our for height people ratio. that can only hear us and cannot see us right now. We are now different you know, sizes. Yes. <laughs> I am 60 centimeters tall. Lillian is 46 <laughs> centimeters tall. Smacky says, when I was a student, money came in super irregularly. It was impossible to plan for other than being cheap, slightly past the point of pain. So every time new money came in, I took whatever was left in my account from the last deposit, turned it into cash, and hit it in a box. There's that box method again. Often it was nothing. Sometimes it was a few hundred. By the end of my undergrad, I had enough to pay for my divorce and a chunk of a house in my local city. After that, I got approved for a $25,000 HELOC that I didn't tap ever, but was there if I needed it, and my any spare, man, and any spare money I threw in my mortgage. That box of money in the rafters of my basement turned into a ton of financial security. What's a HELOC? HELOC is a home equity line of credit, which oh. essentially means that you can borrow against your house. So if you're someone that um, house has a high value relative to what you owe on it, HELOCs can often be kind of a backup 
Uh, the downside of HELOCs is that if you can't pay them back... They take your house. They take your house. <laughs> um, and so that is one of the situations where uh, student loans had gotten so expensive um, and people always felt like their houses were going to go up during the last recession. A lot of people borrowed against their house to pay for college education. And that worked out poorly. Yeah, and that worked out poorly. So, uh, But generally, HELOCs can be a kind of... They allow you to tap into the wealth that your home is supposedly building, right? Right. Okay. That's cool. Um, so it's it's one of those things where you know use it with caution, but I think the way that Snacky's using it, which is essentially like, I, sure, <laughs> <laughs> like it's there. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. kind of there in the same way that like, yes, I have access to like forty thousand. So more of an of, emergency line of credit. Y- right. Right. Exactly. That's cool though, and and that and that's neat that they were able to turn their saved cash into that line of credit. Right. Which seems seems like sort of a a way to build on that. Um, Christy talked about the kind of downsides of using the side hustle method, which meaning like you save everything for you make from a second job. Christy said, I was working two part time jobs and an adjunct teaching one or two courses at a time. Then spouse was in school and working zero jobs. We were couldn't afford health insurance broke. I adjuncted an extra summer session to get that first emergency fund. And it was maybe the most exhausted I've ever been. Damn. Hustling. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Definitely rough. Uh, I think that the last one I want to end on is probably the simplest and in many ways I think is if you've got like a pretty regular income, this is a great way to do it if you're just trying to figure out how to do it. Uh, NNLS said, I set up an automatic transfer for my bank to take 10% of my pay and put it in an emergency fund. As my pay increased, I just left it at 10% and now I have a nice buffer. Yeah, that's easy. Yep, that's nice and easy. (laughs) That's how I recommend doing retirement savings uh, once you kind of get your basic foundation, financial foundation set up is just automatic and increase it as you make more. Nice. uh, If you have a normal job, unlike me and Will, Uh that works great. (laughs) Someday. Well, maybe. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Anyways. Do I I want that? I don't know. Existential questions. I... I, I think that wraps our show for today. We would love to hear about, like, have you saved your first emergency fund? How did you save it? I think this is really helpful to hear mm-hmm. for folks that are either saving their first emergency fund or they've wiped it out due to life circumstances and want to get it that, built Or back you want up. to. Yeah. Or are you one of those people that likes to live life on the edge with no savings? And and who are you and why do you listen to the show? Explain it to me. <laughs> Uh, always curious about that but we love hearing from you you can email us your financial worries successes emergency fund stories at questions at ohmydollar.com you can tweet us at anomalily or at ohmydollar yep our producer is me Will Romy our intro music is by Aaron Parecki and your host and personal finance educator is Lillian Kerbake thanks for listening and until next time remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you That's right.